Um, hello, friends. You, you guys are the few, the proud, the strong, the Marines, or the ones that have still travel credit to get, right? Yeah, good, one or the other. <laughs> um, it's good to see you all this morning, and I just can't believe that we are so close to the end. Um, I just want to tell you, it is such a gift to watch you learn and grow and um, be diligent and faithful each semester. Um, I learn a lot from you all, and so good job. Well done. You are almost there. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, I took off a week of, of work, and I went with our family. We went to the mountains kind of, of um, eastern Tennessee, North Carolina. We were at Roan Mountain State Park. I don't know if anybody's been there. Um, and we went on a five-mile hike with our kids. Um, and it was, it was cool. It was actually part of the Appalachian Trail, like the, the section we hiked. Um, and it was, it was pretty hilly. Like there were, there were some pretty good like ups and downs, um, some rocky parts. Uh, the trail was, was pretty, I don't know, there were some hard parts of the trail. Um, and it was so good for my soul. I love that kind of thing. Um, and I love being out in the mountains. Um, I grew up going to the Rockies, so, you know, this was okay. Um, but it really, it was so good for my soul. And the, the views were actually, they were so fantastic and beautiful on all sides. Um, but it was so funny because I was, you know, I was walking and looking around and just kind of being in awe of God's beautiful creation. Um, but we would pass these other hikers on the trail, and they were just like, man, like head down, making sure they didn't trip on a rock. And I just heard a couple of times them, they like complain and grumble and be like, man, when, am, when is this over? And like, why am I out of water? And nobody told me it was going to be this steep. And so I just kind of over, overhear some of these things. And I was really fascinated by that because we were on the same hike and we were heading in the same direction. We were seeing the same stuff, um, except that we weren't, right? I realized that my experience of that hike was really dictated by where I focused my eyes. Um, if I was willing to look up and see the view, it made the steep and rocky parts worth it. But for many people, um, head down, they were missing the fantastic vista and, and the grandeur of creation. So I was, I've been thinking about that, and I realized I think it's actually very similar in our own walks with Jesus. That our experience of our journey with Jesus has a lot to do with where we are looking. It has a lot to do with where we focus our eyes, right? Because we can all be on a similar journey following Jesus until he comes back. But our experience of that, it's really dictated by where we focus our eyes. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it's actually a passage that Hannah mentioned on Monday, Monday and I've heard it a couple of times this week. So I think the Lord wants us to study this passage. But it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Another translation tells us instead of to look to Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus, um, the original word here is this idea of looking away from everything else 
and being so laser focused on Jesus. Sort of like horse, you know, the blinders that you put on a horse. That's the idea of this word here. This passage tells us where we should focus our attention, where we should direct our eyes, and that how we experience this long race of endurance has a lot to do with where we look. So we should keep our eyes on Jesus. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. But before that, the author of Hebrews encourages us to actually lay aside, to put down a couple of things. He says to get rid of the things that weigh us down and to get rid of the sin. And the word he uses is entangles us, but it's like this idea of like the thing that grabs us by the ankles and sort of like takes us down without even seeing it sometimes. Those ideas are general, right? He doesn't name specific things we're supposed to put down, the specific things that weigh us down or the specific sins that take us down by the ankles. That's on purpose. But there are many things that could weigh us down, right? And if we're all willing to just be honest for a second, I'm sure a sin comes to mind that trips us up over and over again. So we could go lots of directions with that, but I've been thinking about this idea of our eyes and where we're looking. And three categories sort of came to mind of the way, directions that we look that actually weigh us down or trip us up. I think that those three directions are this. We either look down, we look around, or we look inside. We look down, we look around, or we look inside. So first, we look down. We are at the end of a semester, right? We have a very heads-down vibe right now. That is okay, it makes sense. There is a lot to do. You have to finish school, you have to make summer plans, and some of you have to make life plans, like what you're gonna do after covenant plans, right? That's a lot. That's a lot to consider, that's a lot to think about. And it is true that this is sort of a unique season that we have to maybe sort of grit through and practice some resilience and finish faithfully as Hannah encouraged us on Monday. But here's the thing, sometimes I think we get so head down that we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing. Like those people on the hike, when we fixate only on the trail or on the rocks, we can often miss the view. When we are so consumed by tasks and busyness and achievement, we miss the joy that can be found in doing good work right, within our creaturely limitations as participants in the redemption that Jesus began and is continuing to do. You have a lot to do. Yes, I hear that. But take a minute and just ask yourself, when was the last time you looked up? When was the last time you took a break to take in the view and to remember the way that the Lord has been at work in you and through you this semester? When was the last time you took a moment just to glimpse the kindness of God displayed to you on, da on a daily basis and good food and laughter and meaningful friendships, right, and purposeful work and the gift of learning? We tend to look down. Okay, next, if we aren't looking down, I think we look around. 
right? We spend so much time with our heads on a swivel, right? Looking to our right and looking to our left, comparing our lives with others. We live in a constant state of evaluation and it takes so much emotional energy to keep up with everyone else, right? But we look around all the time, don't we? So much so that I'm actually convinced that perhaps nothing derails us more from our journey with Jesus than comparison. Nothing distracts us and discourages us faster than constantly weighing our lives up and against the lives of others. But notice the language in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We run a race that has what? Been set before us. It has been placed before us by our sovereign and loving Father. What this means is that this path or this trail or this journey or whatever you want to call it, it is yours that God has given to you to run. It has not been allotted to anyone else. Your family background, your opportunities, your gifts, your abilities, your financial status, your relationship status, even your struggles and your disappointments have been set before you. You are not responsible to run someone else's race. You are responsible to faithfully run your own. The one who set the race in front of you is not concerned about how you run his or her race, but how you run the one that he has lovingly and sovereignly placed before you. And when we compare our race to others, which I do all the time, we find ourselves battling either discouragement, like why can't I have, you know, her whatever, fill in the blank. Or we find ourselves battling pride. Like, thank goodness I'm not like, right? Discouragement or pride. We cannot run if we are looking around. Anyone who has race, I'm not a race, I'm not a runner, okay? But I know this, that if you try to run and you're looking back and forth or behind you, you're going to trip or you're going to at least slow down or lose your pace, right? We cannot run if we are looking side to side. So much of our journey with Jesus is hindered by our constant need to compare. Are you constantly looking around? Do you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to others? Okay, finally, if we aren't looking down and we're not looking around, we might be looking in. And here's what I mean by this. Our current cultural moment echoes with the refrain that the truth, that truth is found within, right? That to be happy is actually to follow your heart and that what you feel is always real. And so it is easy to get swept up in excessive self-contemplation. We look to our own desires and our feelings to determine what we should do or what we should believe or what we should love. We look to ourselves, we look in to define what is real and what will bring us the good life. But when our gaze is turned inward in this way, we do not find happiness or reality or truth. We find worry and exhaustion and ultimately defeat. What is occupying the majority of your thoughts? Is it yourself? What drives your actions? Because here's the thing, seeing is actually
actually, I think, maybe one of the first steps toward worship. We see something, we turn our bodies towards it, we pursue it, and then we love it. That is why what we look at and where we focus our gaze matters. This is why the author of Hebrews connects where we're looking to our ability to run this race with endurance. Because if our eyes are down, we will begin to be defined by the work that we do and the things we can accomplish. And if our eyes are to the right and to the left and we're constantly looking around, we will pursue anything and everything that just helps us keep up with the Joneses, right? And if our eyes are focused inward, ultimately, we will become worshipers of self. All of these roads lead to discouragement, exhaustion, and maybe even destruction. The only way to run with endurance is to fix our eyes on Jesus. That idea to look away from all else and focus on him. Okay, but what does that mean, right? What does that mean? And here's the thing. I struggled with this. That's one of those sort of like Christian language things that we talk about. It's hard to unpack this. I think it means a lot of different things that we can continue to have a conversation about. But here are a couple of ideas, okay? It's just a springboard to get you started. Maybe talk about this at lunch. What does it mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? But here's some ideas. It tells us, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one then, if he's author, he is the one who actually leads the way. He is a blueprint for a new humanity. But he's the perfecter, so he is also the one who actually has finished the race without fail. The only one who has finished the race without fail. So to look at Jesus is to look at him as our author and our perfecter. He's to remember the work that he has already accomplished on our behalf in the past and to then anticipate his return in the future and then to live in the here and now within that tension of both sorrow and hope. We, to fix our eyes on Jesus, it means to marvel at the person of Jesus as presented in God's word, to see his love for sinners, to see his compassion for the sick, to see his joyful hospitality towards children, it is to see Jesus for who he is, right? As the Lamb of God, as the King of Kings, as our friend, as our Redeemer. It is to take him at his word when he says things that, like he will never cast us out or that his yoke is easy and his burden is light or that he is the way and the truth and the life. To take him at his word. To fix our eyes on Jesus is to know that he has not left us alone. He has given us his spirit, and he is right now interceding on our behalf, and that nothing, nothing can separate us from this love. Those are just some of the big truths that sort of anchor us and allow us and motivate us to continue running this race with endurance, even when things are hard. But it's also interesting to note that the author of Hebrews does not tell us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the king the conqueror, or even the lamb. Those things are true. We are instead to keep our eyes on the one who, as he writes in verse 2, for the joy that was set before him, you see that word set? Again, there it is. Endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you hear that? The Jesus we are supposed to fix our eyes on is the suffering Jesus. The Jesus who endured the cross. Friends, if I'm honest, so often I am happy to focus my eyes on the comfortable Jesus, right? On the Jesus who kind of makes me feel good. But this is the suffering Jesus, right? He went to the cross. So when we are thinking about Jesus as a blueprint for a new humanity, we should not be shocked when life is hard or when it's difficult or when it's exhausting, right? Why would we expect any different? After all, Jesus' race led him directly to the cross. And that is the point of the following verse then, that when you grow weary and faint-hearted, consider Jesus. Remember what he endured. Hang in there. Um, I had a professor in seminary, and he, he gave this illustration. He said, it's like we are running a marathon, and the finish line is in sight. Again, I'm not a runner, so like, I just have to use my imagination for this, okay? Some of you are runners. Um, we are, so it's like you're running this marathon. You're, you're so close. You're so tired. Your legs hurt. Your body aches. Like you're probably dehydrated, maybe a little bit nauseous, right? Not fun. I don't know why people do this. Anyway, so we look, <laughs> we look at the sidelines, and we see a throng of spectators there cheering us on, okay? And it's great. Like, thank you for encouraging us. But they're standing there on the sidelines, and they are clean, and they're holding their cups of coffee or hot chocolate, right? And they're like, go, run. And you're, you kind of look at them and you want to punch them in the face a little bit, right? It's great to have people running or on the sidelines cheering us on. But those people who have just finished ahead of you, those other marathon runners, right? They have finished, they've crossed the finish line. They have muscle cramps. They are limping. Some might be actually like on the ground throwing up, it's this beautiful sight to behold, right? They are the ones looking at you and saying, keep going. You're almost there. You're doing it. Finish, the finish line is in sight. It's worth it. As their cheers hit our ears, right? And as those who have already finished, their encouragement, it goes beyond simply words but inspires us. Their example inspires us to finish. That's what these verses are talking about. But the author of Hebrews takes it one crucial step further. It is not enough to be inspired by Jesus. It is not enough to desire to emulate his example. On our own, we cannot finish the race. We cannot endure, we cannot run. So what Hebrews is saying is that the one who began this race and ran ahead of us, right, the author, is also the one who said, it is finished. And when he went to the cross in our place, he took our sin upon himself and he conquered death forever when he rose from the dead on Easter morning. He is the perfecter of our faith. And he is now the one, listen, he is now the one who through his spirit is imputing the power of the resurrected life in us. He picks us up, he carries us to the finish line, and then he pins his first place prize on our sweaty shirts. This is the Jesus we are focusing our eyes upon. 
Let's not look down. Let's not look around. And let's not look in. Let's look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And then let's run with endurance, even when it's hard. Amen? Jesus, thank you for this day and for this semester that you have given us and for the ways that you have been faithful to us. Lord, help us to see your goodness and your kindness. And Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. We need him every hour, every minute. And so, Lord, would you be with us as we try to focus our eyes on you? Help us to be faithful and to finish um, faithfully in the power of the Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.